Welcome back to this episode of the Dreamer's Manual podcast. I still feel like I am on cloud nine after recording this episode with Danielle. She is talking to us all about working in online business space, working as an OBM, and working with clients who have any type of neurodivergency, ADD, ADHD, autism, bipolar disorder. She talks about it all on this episode, and she shares so many encouraging things, techniques that have worked for herself and clients, advice on how to grow a successful business, and really just strategy, whether this is you who is looking for advice or whether you're working with clients or a client who you know has any type of neurodivergency this episode is for you. Now, Danielle has spent the last 20 years learning what to do and what not to do when building, scaling, and managing a business. She built her OBM and marketing agency to scale from the beginning to not only prove to herself that she could do it, but also to do it for each and every client as well. She works with people to grow using skills she has learned from every coach she's hired, every mentor she's worked with, and every class, course, and degree certification that she has worked her butt off for. And I have to tell you, it really paid off. Definitely don't forget to check out the show notes because Danielle also has a really interesting dopamine mapping freebie as a resource. So you could figure out what's really giving you pleasure in your life and your business and what needs to go away immediately. So with much excitement, I'm sending you on to the episode. Danielle, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Dreamers Manual podcast today. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Julie. I'm excited to be here. This is a topic that I'm obsessed with, and I'm so excited and encouraged that you have experience not only in the personal side, but in the business side to talk about neurodivergency, ADD, ADHD from an OBM perspective, from personal perspective, from a business perspective, like you've got everything covered here. Well, I've lived with ADHD before it was, and I say this sort of tongue in cheek and not entirely before it was the cool thing to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have an ASD son. My son has Asperger's. Um, My family were full of ADHD. My mother is also bipolar. So it's something that I've just, it's part of who I am and it is part of my core makeup and how I do everything. And I think especially now that TikTok has made ADHD the cool thing to be, especially in women. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not all just chaos and unorganized and unable to function in life. And I think that's something that's being missed in the world right now, Mm -hmm. very much so. I agree. I think it's very early on, in my opinion, where the message is getting out there and there's some education getting out there, especially for women to say, you thought you had anxiety. It could be something else. You thought you had, you know, these symptoms actually don't look like what we've been taught that they were, you know, maybe when we were growing up or when, you know, especially little boys were diagnosed with this. Um, So can you, 
Can you talk about your journey with when you realized that this was something that, you know, was part of who you were and then into your journey as a business owner? So I was actually diagnosed as a young child as mentally retarded. It was the mid seventies, late seventies. So they just wrote me off as not able to do anything because I was hyperactive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the truest sense. I also am dyslexic. Mm -hmm. And that's also something they didn't recognize back then. And most people who are ADHD also have learning disabilities. It's pretty normal. So I was actually shoved into the back of a classroom and nobody tried to teach me. I was in fifth grade before I learned to read and write. And that's because my best friend from my one of my classes, I was going home with her after school and we had a late bus after school and she's deaf. And so she had her deaf program in between the early bus and the late bus. And I had to sit with her while she did her speech therapy and all of that. And I was sitting in the back of the hearing impaired classroom where she got all of her special services, just sitting there, Mm -hmm. like fiddling with toys or something. And the hearing impaired teacher walked by me and sweetie, why aren't you doing your schoolwork? I know that you had homework because Rebecca has it. And I'm like, and Rebecca pokes her head out of, because she was listening which is funny because yes, she's deaf, but she was in the next little cubicle area. She says, Danielle doesn't have homework. She doesn't even have school books. Wow. Mind you, this teacher is a saint and the teacher. Everybody has a story of the teacher. Mm -hmm. And she was that. She was like, she literally stood up and said, oh, hell no. And walked this, this woman is like five, five foot tall, maybe. And her little heels clicking across the floor and disappeared. She ended up taking Rebecca and I to her house later. We didn't even ride the school bus because I don't know what she did. But by the next Monday, when I came into school, I was part of the death program in the school. I uh, was pulled out of all of my main classes until she could catch me up. And this was in like February, March. By the end of the school year, I was working at grade level. And I know this is your story, so you know it. But not only do I have chills, but I'm tearing up. She is, she was, is life-changing for me. Always is still part of my life. Very much a woman who is part of my life. My son knows her because she took the time to listen. And something she always taught me was you're not going to do things the same as everybody else. And that's fine. We don't listen to everybody else. And we do things the way that we need to do them in order to do them well. She said, there are things you're not going to do well. You can't do everything well. Nobody can. She said, but you're ADHD, you have learning disabilities. So you definitely can. It would just, it's going to be too hard to do everything well. So pick something and do it really well. And of course, fast forward, it took me corporate jobs. And mm-hmm. I was very, I did well in corporate. I'm very outgoing. I'm very friendly. I could do it. I loved working. Um, I stumbled into a reception job at a major computer company back before there were computers at every home. Yeah. And Uh, I was supposed to be the receptionist, but I hung out with the engineers because I loved working on the computers and I ended up working on the computers. So this little teeny tiny 18 year old kid was working in the back on computers and they finally just moved me there because that's where they found me all the time anyway. (laughs) But I mean, that the nature of working in an environment like that is I think almost every one of us was ASD, ADHD, Mm -hmm. neurodivergent somehow. So the staffing team would roll their eyes at all of us and shove us into whatever corner we needed to be in to do well for them. And I ended up working with the engineering team and I ended up becoming a sales trainer because I loved working on the machines, but I loved talking to people. So they combined them for me. 
And I ended up doing corporate sales training for HP. No college degree, barely had my high school degree. And I loved it. But then I I got married and got pregnant and working. My son had issues. So working from home was what I did. So I started working fixing people's computers at home because by that time, everybody had computers. And my husband's best friend started a computer company. And I started out just working on computers and fixing things and then became the marketing person and then became the managing director and started running and doing sales and doing the marketing and doing all of the being the face because everybody else wanted to hide in a basement with no windows Mm because working for an IT company, that's pretty normal. I called them my server trolls for years, (laughs) but that that's what they were good at. And I loved talking to people. I loved doing the marketing and all of that. Went back to school, got my marketing degree, then got my MBA and then got, I had like five degrees or something like that. I lost track a while ago because I like to learn Yeah, and just went into that, but I couldn't keep up the corporate. I just couldn't. The rigors, the company became a corporate company Mm -hmm. because we ended up 50 people growing all of that. And I I just didn't like that environment. Decided I wanted to work for myself. And I had other IT buddies who I helped them start their businesses. And that's kind of where I started is doing operations for other IT guys, helping them get started, helping them do things. And then realized, oh, I could just do this completely for myself. Yes. And 15 years later... This is where I am. And now I have OBM Digital Marketing Agency that is growing and doing phenomenal. And I went, have gone back since and I've gotten, I'm a master life coach, master business coach, an entrepreneur coach, an ADHD coach. I work specifically with ADHD entrepreneurs, tell, teaching them functional and cognitive behavioral skills. Mm-hmm. And, but that all goes together. It really does. And everybody's like, how many certifications and stuff do you have? I'm like, <laughs> But everyone I learn gives me another layer of how I can support my clients. And I didn't realize this until about two years ago. Every client I have is ADHD. I work with coaches. I work with women-owned businesses. And every client, I was attracting me to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was attracting me. And every client is an ADHD client. So we have very unique things that we do with clients. I have a few regular regular clients. (laughs) Um, And I call them my boring clients. And I know one of them very well. And he just laughs at me when I call him that. I'm like, you're just a boring client. (laughs) I tell you what to do, you do it. And there's no following up. But we've learned as a team, uh, we only have two people on our team who are also not neurodivergent in some way. And we're a team of 14. So we're a full team of ADHD, ASD, combination thereof, bipolar women Mm -hmm. who support us. That's incredible. And I have to think for your clients too, for both sides, like for the team knowing how much they're helping these clients over the clients knowing how deeply you understand them and are willing to and have ideas around how to work with them and for them in a way that's going to fit into their lives. That has to be, it just sounds so empowering for everybody. It is. And it's a judgment-free zone. Often, especially as women, we have shame around our ADHD. We talk about the ADHD tax and stuff, and we get it. I mean, we get it on every fundamental level. So there isn't that shame around here. I mean, we kind of laugh it off a lot of times and turn it into the, oh, what did our ADHD prompt us to do now? And how are we going to move on and fix it and and deal with it? But it's a no-judgment zone. I mean, and it truly is a no-judgment zone. I'm so curious. Can you share with us what it 
if there are main differences in general, and maybe generalities don't, you know, uh, apply here, but if you had to say, like, what were the differences between your clients who had some neurodivergency and your clients who were, like, you know, quote the boring clients, what would you say the main differences are? Um, adaptability. So my normal boring clients, and I put that in quotation marks mm-hmm. for anybody just listening in. I could tell them what system we're going to use, how we're going to use that, give them the directions, and they use it. They're not trying to make me go off script. We can have a steady script and stick to it with Mm -hmm. them. ADHD clients, I have some clients that use Trello, some who use ClickUp, some who use Monday, some who use Asana, some who don't use anything at all and just send me voice memos and brain dump everything on me via Voxer or Messenger. Some who are on Voxer, some who are on Messenger, some are in Slack, some are just text. And, and we've created systems for my team to offer, still be able to offer those services, but we take care of that. Mm-hmm. We're not asking a client who who's just in creative flow and has that energy to adapt to something that's going to be too restrictive for them. And that's, that's a big difference is especially with OBMs, a lot of OBMs expect a very strict way that this is how I do things and you're going to do them the way I do them, or I'm not going to work with you. And we're like, well, So Trello didn't work. Let's try Asana. And we'll have, sometimes we'll try five or six different systems with a client before we find what allows them to be in their creative flow. At last count, we use 72 separate task or project management systems. Wow. I could see how for somebody who doesn't have any type of neurodivergency going on, that sounds overwhelming, right? Because even as an agency, I think we're kind of taught as much as possible. If people are using the same things, it's easy for the team. It's easier because you can well, systemize and make yeah. templates and yeah. Um, and and you could do it. It's finding the microsystems within the the way you do things, and everybody runs through kind of the same program. Once we find the system or platform that works for best for them, mm-hmm. I mean, we have Basecamp and Todoist and Notion and and whatever whatever is going to work for the client allows the client to be in their zone of genius more. Mm-hmm. Because when you force a client into we only use Dubsado. Well, Dubsado is not a great task manager and or project management tool. Dubsado is not right for everybody. It's just, it's too regimented for a lot of my clients. And that's fine. But when I allow them to be in their creative flow and their creative energy, their business can hit up level much faster than if you restrict them. If you restrict a client into your way of doing things and into your box, you are restricting a client's ability to create and grow at their level that they need to. You are creating a limit for them. You're limiting your client when you do that. And I have found too that, and I don't know if you've noticed this also, but there's a layer of shame too, that it's like, oh, well, you know, this is the the great tool that everybody should use. And if you can't use it, you know, there's just, there's something wrong. Like you should want to use this to help you. We talk a lot with our clients in our internally. There's IG perfect. So you can be Instagram story perfect in your business and use Kajabi and use Thrivecart and use lead pages or click funnels or whatever the thing is this week. Or you can succeed in your business and try not to be somebody else. If you want to be the perfect, perfectly put together, perfectly groomed business, that's fine. But 90% of those that I work with reach a level and never sustain it. 
They crash, they burn. And I tell stories all the time. And I don't share names, but I have worked with 150 coaches. 75 of them, when they started with me, were trying, trying to mimic the Carrie Greens, the Rachel Hollises, all of them. Yeah. And they were all telling everybody they were six figures of this. 75 of them were not even close to that, even though that's what they were preaching on social media. Eek. And one, I won't work with somebody who does that. The minute I see that when I'm working in their back end, I'm like, well, we either need to change the message so that it's truthful and authentic, or I won't work with you. Mm-hmm. And I have had women get very, very, very mad at me. I don't care. I'm not going to work for somebody who's that fake, period, end of story. And that's part of my ADHD talking is I don't have time for you mm-hmm. if you're not going to be truthful. The other part of it is, is they're taught that. And when they realize that they can be successful without fitting into that box or having to reproduce that box over and over and over and over and over again, and understand that their business personality can be their personality and you can reflect your personality in your business. Obviously, you do have, there's a brand strategy that goes with making sure you're talking to your who your ideal client is and meshing those together. But if you want to be the purple haired, pierced up, tattooed up ADHD business owner, you can. I'm in the process of going purple again. And I have a bright pink office. And I'm very rarely in Instagram worthy clothes because I like my ripped up jeans and my band t-shirts or my tank tops, my sweatshirts. That's what I live it. And that's fine. When you learn that you could be you in your business, your business is going to leap forward every time. And when you have team that encourages you and supports you and models for you what it's like to show up authentically in business, it has to feel very supportive. Exactly. And and that's what we want to be for our clients. And I think that's why we attract the ADHD clients and the bipolar clients and stuff. If you want to come to our uh, one of our team calls in your pajamas and your hair sticking up in 9,000 directions, that's fine. We don't care. We're not going to call you out on it. We might pick on you a little. I'm not going to deny that that could happen if you have peanut butter on your face still or something, but uh, we don't care. I would love to go back just a little bit because I, as an OBM working with clients, I you mentioned that some clients don't have a project management system. And I have known that to be the case where sometimes a team might be on the system and the owner isn't. Overall, I'm still a little conflicted about how that could work successfully. Can you talk about, is your goal always to transition somebody to a system that's going to work for them? Or, and I'm not saying that not having a project management system, that there isn't some type of structure in the background to make that successful. But I'm wondering if you find that it's common that people might not fit into any of the system boxes and just do something very organically. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. My clients that are voice memoing me or sending me text messages, things like that, they don't have systems. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm an OBM and I'm a certified project manager. I've worked on corporate $50 billion projects. I don't use project management myself. My team does, but I hate it. Mm-hmm. So how does my team get my information? I, I have one particular channel in Slack. So we have a system in place. Mm-hmm. All of my thoughts, everything that I think of goes there. It could be a screenshot of something. Hey, please redo this. Or it could be a voice memo or something. But they have one place that they get all the information from. We have clients that do that as well. Mm-hmm. They have one place. We, it's that micro system. They have one place that things go so that things can be tracked and used. Conversations do not happen in that task place. 
Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it. We don't reply about that task there. Nothing. It's just for that brain dump, get it out of your head space. And once you have that, it's easy to track everything. That is, believe it or not, and a lot of project managers or task managers, OBM are probably like cringing when I say that. <laughs> Fainting, yeah. <laughs> but that is task management, people. Mm-hmm. It's adaptive. And there's nothing wrong with that. If there's one space that can get very cloudy and can get very confusing very quickly if things aren't done to structure at least that piece of it. But that's task management. Now, somebody was hiring a team because I'm wondering in the beginning, let's say I'm just like a solo business owner and I'm rocking along and I hire someone and say, I say, like, at this point, I've tried it all. You know, I've done all these things. It's like, it's not working for me. So let me just throw the tasks in Slack. How do you or do you hire or train someone to make sure that then you can really know that those things are getting done? Because I could see with the, certain personalities, like they could get very overwhelmed. Like if somebody has a very structured personality, they could see, you know, a thread of things to be done. And maybe it's like, you know, I have to imagine there's a little bit of like uh, figuring out the due dates for certain things and priorities. So how do you find and hire then a team that's going to support you in the way that your brain works? One, make sure that you're hiring somebody that is not like you as your coordinator, not your project manager, not your VA that's doing the things or your graphic designer, your coordinator, hire a coordinator. And this this is something mm-hmm. that I said, I had two people on my team who are not neurodivergent. They're my coordinators. They take that massive brain dump craziness from all of our clients, myself included, and I'm very much in that. And I never deny that. And they coordinate who does it, how it gets done when it gets done. And we use Monday. We do use Monday as our project manager internally for assigning client tasks. Now for our clients, when they bring up and have just that spot that things go, they will get a weekly report of saying, this is what's been done. Here it is. Or this is where we are in that process. So they get like a weekly report of what what we're doing and where we are on those things so that they know, oh yeah, somebody did listen to me. They paid attention, but it's done in a very hands-off non-threatening kind of way. Um, If we have to ask qualifying questions that happens in another thread on Slack or in another spot, we do those things and and ask those qualifying questions if need be. After we've been with a client, we're handling all the work. We know what the timelines are. We don't really need to ask too many qualifying questions after we get to know a client. still happens. But having that coordinator person is essential. Again, they don't have to be the person doing anything. They don't have to manage the whole entire project, but just coordinating the information into an easy to track place is essential. It makes so much sense. I'm thinking about a client that is actually coming up in a future podcast episode. And we're talking about how hiring an executive assistant changed her whole business because she finally had that person where... And that's just a title. Um, That person could just as easily be called coordinator or anything else. But it was that person to take these amazing ideas that she had, translate them to the team, and make the things happen, organize it in a way that this client you know, knew that she wanted it, but just it was like there was that gap. And I think that's it's absolutely incredible. I, I 
didn't know that that would translate across, you know, lots of different businesses with this like a neurodivergent type of business owner. Absolutely. And I would say an EA, I have an EA who's my, who coordinates me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't coordinate my team. Yes, Her only yeah. job is me. Um, because I coach, I own a coaching business. I've started buying other businesses and I have the digital marketing agency. I needed somebody yes. to coordinate me because I'm doing too many things. And I also tend to be, because I'm ADHD, I work a ridiculous amount of hours and I choose to. I, I am in a place in my life that my work, I don't have work-life balance because I love to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband is too, and he owns his own business. So we sit next to each other on the couch and work. So I'm constantly producing. I'm producing tasks. I'm producing contents. I'm, I'm always in production mode. And I needed somebody to coordinate that. Having that coordination for me relieved a lot of stress from my team. because <laughs> And from the main coordinator. So my coordinators can focus on our clients make sure that everything, coordinating all of the people doing all of the things and just doing those reports weekly. That's all they do. So can you tell us, I'm wondering if you ever encountered any, and maybe you didn't, but I have found being in the OBM space, there are usually like a type that is drawn to that type of work in the sense that they're typically like, when I do my Colby test, I'm more of a quick start. I'm more of like, let's just get things going. And what I see more commonly is OBMs are slower starts. They like to think and plan through things. And so it's it's really cool that you had the experience and then we're able to say like, oh, this is what I'm already doing and I'm coming over here. Do you ever get a chance to talk to, I guess what I would call like more traditional OBMs and either advise them about this type of client or educate them about the possibilities of these relationships? Because sometimes you see like people really butting heads, unfortunately, um, because you have a really creative business owner and somebody who is operating and, and needs to work in a certain way. And then you might have someone who, for whatever reason, just isn't a match and just kind of trying to put them into a box. So one, if you are very regimented in how you operate, do not work with an ADHD client. You are, you're not personality wise. You are not going to work well. I've talked to and tried to coach a lot of OBMs. I think 22 at this point was my last count of working with OBMs who were trying to adapt to work with people that their personalities don't match. And that goes, I don't care whether you're ADHD or not. There are personalities that just don't match. But if you're super regimented and ADHD client, you got you're going to cause them stress and they're going to cause you stress. Just, right. just don't try. Um, however, that being said, your level of organization is definitely beneficial for an ADHD client, but you might not be the proper client facing piece. You may need that coordinator position or, or that um, like a buffer, like a sales engineer type position Somebody that's that that client-facing piece that gets the information of the client, really understands how the client, client brain works, but also understands you mm-hmm. so that they can take what the client says, translate it to you, and allow you to work in your zone of genius. And I think a lot of OBMs that are strict project managers and want to do things in a very strict policy, a lot of businesses need that. That is so essential. But personality-wise you may need to create that buffer in between you and somebody who operates at a really high energy creativity level. Those people do not like to be structured. They Mm -hmm. don't like structure. 
structure is going to cause them huge amounts of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be causing anxiety in your client trying to get them successful in their business. The minute you're causing anxiety for your client, you failed as an OBM and as a support person. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And that's a good metric to look at. Like if you're feeling that stress, if you know they're feeling the stress, then something has to shift. Exactly. I'm wondering when you hire for clients, when you've hired for yourself, what do you think about putting and do you put any of these things in like a an application, a hire form, a job description where you're saying, I'm a business owner who identifies as you know these things. And we are looking for someone to buffer that. Or do you have that conversation later on or during the interview process? It's during the interview process. Uh, if somebody can't tell my energy level and how I'm going to operate within five minutes of talking to me, one, they don't belong working for my team because I am pretty in your face about how... And I'm very honest. I am chaos. Yes, I run a very successful business. I actually run five, but I am chaos. I know I am chaos. If you can't deal with me being chaos, then you don't want to work here. (laughs) But I have these things in place. We have organization. We do have systems. We have all of these things because I know I'm not good at all that stuff and nor do I want to be. I am I am strategic. I can see everything in a puzzle and I can put all the pieces together in five minutes flat and and verbalize it to somebody. And then somebody needs to do all the things because I'm not going to do them. I'm never going to move beyond that creating it in my headpiece. Just not going to happen. I think it's such a a testament to how you have found ways and strategies that really work for you and things that support you. Because I think I have seen people in my life, even business owners, where they feel like there's something so inherently wrong with them and that they're a failure and that they should quit because they can't get past that like initial creative stage. They might have the most incredible ideas and you know the implementation might not be there or they might you know hyper-focus and abandon the project at some point. But I think what you're saying is so encouraging because you're telling people that if you have the right systems and structure in place, you could take all that and be as successful as you want to be. Exactly. You don't have to be, you don't have to fit into a box and do things in one exact way. You don't have to do all of the pieces of a thing. I have certain projects that I will do the interview and the strategy with clients and I'll do all the client calls. Somebody else will do all the work. I will check it. I will modify it. I will do the things. I will sometimes jump in and create the graphics to go with it. Sometimes not, depending on my creative creativity in that day. And that's fine. Yep. You've built it out. It's it's absolutely super cool. I'm so curious about your top tips for business owners and for those of us who also work with clients who have any neurodivergency, ADD, ADHD, because there are definitely, I know, going to be people that are coming here for help and advice for their own business. And you know, they might even be at a place where, because I imagine early on, like if somebody's trying to start a business and they might say, I don't have the, you know, the funds at this point to bring on a coordinator or anybody on my team yet. But how do I get to the point where I can and how do I lean into, you know, what makes me unique and be quote successful? Cause that looks different to everybody, but in a more traditional world. So one to be successful in the traditional world. Stop looking at the world's version of success. I have a client that when we started working, she thought 
she had to have a six-figure business. And when we sat down and we broke down what her business needs to give her, not money, not financial status for her family or any of that, we actually figured out the only thing she wanted is she wanted to be talking to people. She wanted to be speaking. She didn't want to be creating courses. She didn't want to be constantly writing social media content. She, she just wanted to do video. She helps business owners get visible in their business now. She doesn't have a course. She doesn't have a website. She doesn't even have a Facebook business page. Just what she does. Mm -hmm. And we also learned that all she wanted to be able to do is to pay for Hulu and a couple other things like that and her family's groceries every week. Yeah. She is a six-figure business owner now because she works in her creative flow and that's where she works. That's all she does. That's amazing. It's finding what you want to do, what you love and what you don't love about your business. If you are currently overwhelmed in your business, you know those pro-con lists that we were always taught to do, <laughs> yes. like babysitter's club, right? Everything down you like and everything down you hate, you want, that is the ADHD or neurodivergent or regular person's answer to figuring out what you should be doing in your business. Mm-hmm. Write everything down that you do for like two weeks to a month, every single thing you do. I spend an hour on Instagram every morning. I spend an hour on Facebook trying to find clients. I spend an hour writing content. I spent an hour washing my dishes in the middle of the day. Everything you do, I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Personal and business. And then start going through and color code it. Things you love, things you hate. Usually the first step for a business owner is not hiring somebody for their business. Yes. It is hiring yes. a housekeeper. It is hiring somebody <laughs> to do your grocery, using Instacart. It's not hiring somebody for your business because as business owners, especially if you're ADHD or neurodivergent, whatever you you are in that space, you want to focus on your business and doing dishes and doing the laundry and going grocery shopping interrupts that. Mm -hmm. I feel so relieved to hear you say that because I not only have I been on the podcast just begging people to do what I would call like a time assessment, but it's exactly what you're talking about, just writing down all of your tasks. And when I talk about hiring, I 100% say for most people, the first hiring your business should not be for your business. Like We are so in sync with that. And I'm so happy to hear you share that advice and that you give that advice to your clients and everybody you work with. And it could be daycare. It could be a mom's mm-hmm. day out daycare for four hours uh, once a week. It could be, I mean, find the thing that is driving you the craziest by writing everything down. Just write it all down. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, that's also a great start for processes and knowing who you want to hire, creating a job description for the people you do want to hire in your business. And I actually encourage business owners every time they feel like they're overwhelmed in your business, Money isn't coming in the way you want. So anytime you hit something that's not working exactly the way you want, you should be doing that Mm. every time. And I probably do it four or five times a year. Yes. Oh, that means I need to hire a salesperson because that's where my pain point is. And we don't always see our own pain points in our businesses. So I have clients go through this process often before they hire me. The other thing I have them do is I want to know what their Myers-Briggs personality type is. And I want to know what their Enneagram type is. Mm Mm-hmm. Because while those things aren't mega accurate, we all know that, they still give me a flavor of who you are and how you think and operate and how I should tailor my response to you. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what are your Myers-Briggs and Enneagram types? 
I am an ENFTJ. Mm-hmm. So I am, well, one high energy, very extroverted, like I'm the highest on the extroversion scale, but I'm also pretty judgmental. <laughs> and and I know, but I know that. But that's also what makes me really, really good to take a look at a business. And I can give you a profit map for your business for six months after a half hour of talking because I am judgmental. I'm analytical. I can see all of those things. Enneagram, believe it or not, I'm a seven and an eight. Not many people are both a seven and an eight. Oh, well, I'm a wing eight, I guess I should say. So I am solid. And, but again, that's what makes me awesome at what I do. It also makes me terrible at project managing anything, (laughs) even though I have my certification and I can do it. it, It's a frustration for me to do those kind of things. Um, But knowing those things about myself, about who I'm going to work with, makes the whole entire relationship work so much easier. And there's such easy things to do to start out with. And kind of, you know, fun because I think people, they like being known and they like identifying the things that make them uniquely them. And then for me, I can identify like I really, there's a lot of Enneagram types that I absolutely love. And I know, you know, I automatically click with or that fit really well for certain positions. But I know when I meet someone who's an Enneagram eight, like we're going to be friends because that just like blunt honesty, a little like smidge of stir the pot. Like I'm, I'm here for it all day. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a little smidge of stir the pot. I, I love I all the way. The <laughs> I love to do that. If somebody tells me I have to do something, I am really going to do the complete opposite every single time. Yes. So, somebody tell my husband why that is. <laughs> my husband has learned how to get me to do what he wants by telling me to do the opposite thing. Except for I also know how to get him to do things too. So it turned about, we've been married 28 years. We have each other nailed at this point and figured out. So. It's like a strange compulsion. Like I will be walking out the door to do the thing. And then if my husband says something about doing that thing, as I'm in the process to go do it, I, I, I'm i like, I can't do it now. You've ruined it. <laughs> like, forget mm-hmm. it. Don't talk to me. Just, just don't. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I think this has been such an encouraging conversation. I feel already just very supported and uplifted. And I think there's so much hope because as you said, there are people who, you know, at all ages of our lives are just sort of figuring out through some education. We might have some inkling that I think there is something here and might not even have gone through with a diagnosis yet. But knowing that there's examples out there of people who are really just incredibly successful in whatever way they want to be. And they're not using, you know, any of this as a barrier to that. There's techniques like leaning into being yourself, I think is, is what I'm really taking away from this. And it's like, you give people that permission. You have to be yourself. And something else I do when I work with an a ADHD client that knows their ADHD or or has an inkling is we go over their dopamine map. What creates dopamine for you? Some people don't even understand what that is. I actually have a full training that I've done on that because there isn't one out there, which drives me nuts. But going through what causes creates dopamine for you, because that's also going to be the areas of your business that create success when you're going to be creating that dopamine when you're doing it. So how do we create that for you? What do you do to self-create dopamine? And most people don't even really think about that process. And you have that freebie, right? So for anybody who looks in the show notes, if you look in the blog, there is a link so people can figure out what that is for themselves. 
Yes, absolutely. It's there. Um, you do have to join a community that's outside of Facebook. because I don't do Facebook groups because I would lose myself in them and not accomplish anything. So I created something outside of Facebook to put all of these resources in and for people to get the support they need. But it's absolutely free. I promise. Just join and go grab it. I love it. And how else? I know for me, I want to stay connected to you. I want to be in your world. I want to know what's happening. How do you want people to hang out with you in the digital space? So you can find me on Instagram. I hang out there a bit. Uh, Well, I'm starting to hang out there a bit, I should say. That's very new. Even though that's something my business offers, I hate Instagram and I've hated it, but I'm starting to hang out there more. My team is encouraging me to do so, but I am in my community, organized operations, that support. Um, I hang out there. I'm answering questions for everybody. And basically, they can get free business coaching or ADHD coaching from me there because that's, I love doing that. So I will hang out in there all day and I can because that's my space to do so. And also on your website, do you have ways, I assume, where people, if they're saying, I need this coaching, I need this agency to like get my my life together, all that information is on your website. Is that right? It's all on my website. I, I have one website for all that I do, which is very disconcerting for anybody that's not neurodivergent, but it's <laughs> all in one place. Um but my, I do business consulting. I have my ADHD coaching. Um, my Some of my other fringe businesses are starting to be added into my website. On one place, you can find me easily, including links to my community and all of that. That's perfect. Is there anything as we're leaving that you would love to leave ADHD business owners or any support people that work with anybody who has some type of neurodivergency? You are not meant to fit in a box. Don't even try. Stop trying to be the whoever, the the Gabby Bernsteins, Jenna Kutcher's, ha, Rachel Hollis, whoever is the new thing. I don't, I don't even pay attention to that anymore. Stop trying to be them. Stop trying to be like the life coach that you saw that you wish you had the perfect life. Because let me tell you, she doesn't have the perfect life, first of all. Number two, 75% of coaches that I've seen that do that are lying. And number three, be yourself. The minute you're yourself and you get in alignment with who you are and how you operate at your best version of yourself. That's all you need to do. Danielle, this episode has just given me so much life and encouragement. And I wish everybody had the chance to see this absolutely gorgeous, bright pink room and just feel your energy from this this call. But I know they will listening to it as well. So I cannot thank you enough for taking the time today to, to hang out and share your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. I enjoy sharing this and I really hope it affects people and helps and it changes the business space. Yeah. I I can't imagine that what you're doing is not only impacting your clients, but the ripple effect for their clients and that positive impact that's going out because of what you're doing and not being afraid to show up as who you are and, and preaching that too. It's just, it's really powerful. So thank you. Thank you. 